Welcome to Passion Life Church. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. I just want to welcome all of you to part 3 of a very powerful series that we've been in called No Other Name. Does anybody know what that name is? Come on, say it loud. That name is Jesus. Jesus is that name. And uh, we're going to look at our theme scripture today, but we've learned a lot in the last two weeks. We've learned from the Old Testament. We've looked at the Old Testament to the New Testament uh, about the name of God, the name God gave himself. We looked at that. What was the name that God gave himself when he spoke to Moses? And then last week we talked about how we should be consumers, recipients of the name uh, of Jesus. But not only just recipients of that name, just like the lame man when Peter and John came, he was lame for so many years. They said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And for 40 years he had never walked. And underneath the name of Jesus, he got up and he was walking, leaping, praising God. He did something he had never done before. He went to a place he had never gone to before under the name of Jesus. So not only are we supposed to be recipients of the name of Jesus, but we also carry that name. Can I ask you a question? Do you carry his name well? Do you carry his name well at work? Do you carry his name well at, in your family? When, with your friends, but we're not only supposed to be carriers of that name, recipients of that name, but we're also supposed to be contributors of that name to people. People need that name. God wants us to use the name of Jesus. Have you found Philippians chapter 2, verse 9? Let's read. It says, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which above every name. Who is he? That name is Jesus. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today in part three I want to talk to you about the power of one word, and that's the power of the word, amen. If I were to ask people today, what does the word amen mean? Many would say maybe it's just an overused church word that people that are really spiritual use the word amen. And some, if you're really spiritual, they'll put an amen sister at the end or amen brother. And like, that's, whoa, that's like, man, you're really, really spiritual. But what does the word amen mean? Now, for some people, they may say amen means that you are ending your prayer. So sometimes amen could be followed by a amen, let's eat, right? That's, that's kind of the word, like, okay, they're praying, they're praying, I'm listening. When are they going to say amen? Because I am hungry. And so when they say amen, it's like, okay, the prayer has ended. My five-year-old son, we pray with him every single night, and he understands that amen comes at the end of the prayer. So we'll just start to pray. I'm 15 seconds into the prayer, and he's already amening me. But not amening me like amening. He's like amening me like, Dad, you're praying too long. Right? He's like, I'm tired. And you will hear him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Gavin. Amen. Gavin, we're going to pray a little bit longer. 
But he's getting it. Come on, somebody. He's getting it, right? And so he's amening me to to try to stop me. Like, hey, I'm tired. I need to, to stop. But today, if I were to talk to you about prayer, if I were to talk to you about a very simple prayer. Now, there's many types of prayer. We've talked about in our church praying in the spirit. We've talked about all of these different types of prayer that we can pray. But today, if I were just to say, hey, look, here's a simple prayer A simple prayer that God would answer for you would go like this. And I don't like to say there's a formula, but I like to say, basically, I could just give you three simple things. Number one, every time we pray, we always pray in Jesus' name. Always. Jesus is the access. You may be in, you've been in church for a while and you hear people say, Father God, in Jesus' name. They always say that. Now, why is that? In John chapter 16, verse 23, it says, Verily, verily, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Right? So when we pray, we say, Father, in Jesus' name. That is the name above every name. Now, are there days where you don't kind of follow that? Are there days where you just go, Jesus, help me? Yeah, there's those days. Have you ever had those days where you just cry out, Jesus? I've had one of those days. I remember being in Bible college and living in Dallas, uh, Texas, and it was about 9 o'clock at night. It was dark. It was me and my brother. We were, I owned a white Wrangler Jeep, and we were on the freeway. It was raining. It was uh, just dark, and I remember we just hit some oil on the freeway, and as we hit some oil on the freeway, my Jeep went into a 360-degree turn right on the freeway. And I just remember, I did not know what to do. And a couple, the the first thing that came into my mind was the name of Jesus. And I just yelled, Jesus, as we're spinning on the freeway. And it was so interesting because in those moments, as I yelled out, Jesus, it's like we went into a time warp because there was such a peace that came over the Jeep. And we are spinning, right? At 60 miles an hour, we're spinning. And I just remember, I didn't know what to do, but there was such a peace that came over me. And I grabbed the wheel and thank God that there was nobody behind us. Because we literally did a 360 degree turn on the freeway and we were facing the opposite way. But I'm telling you, in when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, there is salvation. That's all I, I didn't have time to pray a prayer. I didn't have to, time to say, Father, and then I just said, Jesus, and there are those days. But if I were to say, if you were at home or you were gonna pray for somebody, There's a couple simple things. Number one, you would pray, Father, in Jesus' name because he gives us that opposite. The second thing that we do when we pray is we pray God's promises back to him. So I thank you, Lord, or maybe I'm going through a time where I need God's you know, provision. So I will say, God, I pray that you supply all of my needs. I'm taking God's promise and I'm bringing it back to him. If I'm praying for somebody who is sick, right? I would say, Father, in the name of Jesus, that gives me access. And then I love what Mark chapter 16, verse 17, 18, it says, it tells us that in his name, we will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so, right, we say in his name. So it's simple, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, then I speak his promises to him. I speak his promises back to him. And then number three, it's very simple. Then we say amen. 
right? It's funny because we will say in Jesus' name, or Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray and we'll pray, bless this food, thank you for this, thank you for grandma, whatever, and then in Jesus' name, we say it again, then we say amen. And then we close out that prayer. But are those just rituals that we say at church? Is Why is it that people say that all the time? And today, I believe that today can be a game changer in our lives if we can understand the power in amen. I wanna show you today that in your amen, there's actually a tremendous truth there captured in one single word. One single word is this revelation that will help you see God's promises come to pass in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. And Paul is going to talk about the promises of God. You know, theologians believe there can be anywhere between 6,000 and 7,000 promises of God. Anybody like promises of God? Now, let me tell you about God's promises. He always keeps his word always keeps his word. Get into his word. See, when I talk about praying his promises back to him, how are you gonna pray God's promises back to him if you don't know his promises? But look what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 says. It says, for the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us or by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him, who is him, Jesus, but in him was yes. Verse 20, it says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, who's him, Jesus, in Jesus, all of the promises are yes and amen to the glory of God. And then it ends like this, through us, through us us. In one simple word, amen, when you say the word amen, you are declaring that you trust and have faith in the promises of God. So what I'm doing is when I say amen, just one word, amen, you are saying, Father, let that promise be in my life. Let me read this just again. It says, all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Through us. So God, again, includes us. And in that one word, when you say amen, this is what you are doing. You are attaching your faith to the promises of God. When you look back in the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. But in the Old Testament, when you read the word amen, it actually is translated faith. It's actually translated faith, assurance, faith and assurance. And so now listen. We cannot in any way, shape, or form buy the promises of God. We cannot earn them. So by me saying amen, it's not a formula. But when I am saying amen, here's what is important. I am declaring my dependence on God's grace in these promises. And grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor. And he gives that to us. So when I am saying amen, I am attaching my faith to everything that God has said. Unfortunately, amen has become a ritual. 
It's just become something that we have spoken. But let me just encourage us today. When we say amen, you are exercising and expressing your faith. When someone says amen, they are saying, I have faith for that and so be that in my life. Some people don't say amen, right? They don't say it. Now, you can believe God's promises or you don't. It's up to you. This is my new saying in 20 years of pastoring. God is able, but are you willing? God is always able. He's always powerful. He's always faithful. He's always on time. He's always good. He will never let you down. He will meet you where you're at. The problem is never God. The problem is, are you willing? Are you willing to get out of bed and come to church? Are you willing to lift up your hands and praise him? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to have faith in the promise? Are you willing to say amen? Only you can make that decision. But God is able, but are we willing? God is able in your finances, but are you willing to be generous? And if you will, God will meet you where you're at and do more in your life. Are you willing to talk about his promises? Are you just willing to complain about your problems? God is able, but are you willing? Are we willing? Are we willing to say amen? So amen is a declaration of faith. Now there's something we have to understand about faith. Faith is always meant to be expressed. Would you say that with me? Would you say expressed? I want to show you how important this is. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you can just jot this down if you're taking notes. You were saved, right, by your expression of faith. Well, Pastor Phil, wasn't I saved because Jesus died on the cross? God so loved the world, he sent his son to die. Absolutely. But God did all that. But that will mean nothing to you unless you have faith in that. So you have to have faith in his sacrifice and express that faith in that sacrifice. Now, how we do it? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. I want you to notice something. If you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The Bible says out of your heart, the mouth will speak. You want to know what people are believing in their heart? Listen to what they say. So the Bible says, when you receive Jesus, this is what happened. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed in your heart that he raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's all you have to do. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. And look, and then in verse 10, it says this. With the heart. Man, we've been talking about heart today. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness With the mouth, confession is made. Now, Paul is putting believing and your speaking together. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says this. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believed and therefore we spoke. So in my speaking, it is an expression of my faith, right? And so God, this is what God wants from us. For all of his promises, he wants a yes from you. When we read his promises, all he wants is for you to say a amen. That's just a yes. That is your expression of faith saying, so be that to me. God wants you to make a confession of your faith. I love when we were reading back in 2 
Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Salvus and, and, uh, and Timothy, it says, it was not a yes and a no, but in him were yes. Listen, you can either have faith or you can doubt. It's up to you. But these promises are sure. I was reading a scripture today. It says, God is faithful even when we're not. He will always be faithful. But see, if I want his faithfulness in my life, then I got to amen it. Then I got to say, I want that in my life. I want those promises in my life. That sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, I want that for me. It's a very personal, personal thing. It's not a yes and a no. It's a yes. Say yes to his promises. Say yes to his promises. Now, you may think this isn't a big deal. You may think that, Pastor Phil, that's just you. That's just your personality. But you know what? The reality of it is, is that you may think words aren't that important when it comes to the promises of God. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper because I'm going to look at three stories. And I'm going to paraphrase three of them. And I'm going to show you that God puts such an importance on your word as faith. When you contrast the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and then Mary, the angel shows up to Zacharias. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Zacharias. The the New Testament opens up with Zacharias, right? And an angel appears to him and says, you are going to have a child. Zacharias is a priest. He's going to be John the Baptist's father. And guess what? He says, you, God has heard your prayer, Zacharias. And you know what? You are going to have a son and your son is going to be used mightily from God. God is going to use your son mightily. Now, what is Zacharias's response? Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 18. Here's Zacharias's response. And Zacharias said to the angel, listen to this. How should I know this? Well, I don't know, Zach. There's an angel standing in front of you. And not this angel, not a baby in a diaper with a bow and arrow, like Gabriel, like God's messenger. And he's like, uh, how am I going to know this? Some people you just want to go, Psh, you got a freaking angel in front of you. How am I going to know this? I'm old. There's no pills. They haven't been invented. How are we going to have kids? Right? And Zachariah said, how should I know this? For I'm an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. Like God didn't know that. Like God said, hey, Gabriel, come back. We forgot how old they were. They're old. Do we think God knew that before he sent old Gabe down there? I think he did. That's why he's God. Gabriel's response. I think Gabriel talks like that. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you, listen to this, these glad tidings. I came, Zach, to bring you some good news. And your response is, well, how will I know? How will I know? And you know what Gabriel says to him? I want you to listen to this. Gabriel says, you will not speak another word until that child is born. And so Zacharias, the priest, comes out. And it's it's such a funny story. People see him come out of the temple, and they're like, Zach, you've been in there. What, what, what happened? What happened there? And Zach's like, Zach, are you all right? Did you see a vision? 
couldn't say nothing. Now, I'd ask myself this question. Why would God tell somebody to shut up and shut their mouth to the point, till the promise came to pass? You know what God was saying here? Your words, you will not speak another word and undo my promises with your mouth. So it'd be better that you not say anything than mess up the promise that's about to happen. So God actually did Zach a favor and said, I'm going to shut your mouth until the promise comes because I don't want you to screw up. I want John the Baptist to be born. He's going to be great. And guess what? The promise came to pass. Elizabeth has the baby. And as soon as she has the baby, Zach can speak for the first time after being quiet. And sometimes I wonder in some people's life, if you would have more victory if you just didn't speak. I wonder for some people, if you would just be quiet for 24 hours, maybe you would see God's provision in your life because we undo God's promises with the things that we say and the negative things that we say. Well, Pastor Phil, I thought you said faith has to be expressed. Faith does has to be expressed. But my mama taught me something when I was young. She said, you know what? It'd be better that you be quiet than say the wrong thing. And that's what the angel was telling. You are not going to mess up these promises by your words. It's how God values words, the words that are coming out of your mouth. I looked and I was thinking in the Bible, there's another time when God told his people to be quiet. He told the children of Israel, they were about to go to Jericho. Remember? Remember the story of Joshua and Jericho? And he says this to them. He says, I want you to walk around the walls six times and don't say a word. Don't say a a word. Listen, Joshua gets before the people and it says this in Joshua 6.10. It says, now Joshua had commanded his people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise. Listen with your voice. You shall not say a word. So don't tell me that God doesn't think words are valuable. And so here they are for six days. It can't say nothing. They can't say nothing. And I asked myself again, why would God have them walk six times and not say anything? Well, if you know something about the children of Israel and their past, they have a history of complaining, constantly complaining. They actually, there was 10 of them that actually talked themselves out of the promised land. God sent plagues to Egypt to free his people. The Bible says they walked out with new clothes and gold. None of them were sick. They were all, and then God split the Red Sea where they walked across on dry ground. They didn't even get wet, right? And now God is saying, listen, these walls will fall, but I don't want you to shout until I tell you to shout. See, sometimes it's better that we be quiet than say negative things and say things that are contrary to the word of God. Can you say a good amen? So if you're going to speak a word, you better shout his prayer. And I love that on the seventh day, on the seventh time, they shouted. It was an expression of faith. And guess what happened? All of the walls fell down just like God said they would. But they did exactly what God said. Sometimes it's better to be quiet than speak doubt. When you contrast... Zachariah's story, Zachariah's story and Mary, it's in the same chapter, same angel, Gabriel. Gabriel shows up to Mary and basically says, you are going to have a, a baby. His name's going to be Jesus. Now, Mary asks the question, and I think it's a good, well, how is it going to happen? 
because I'm a virgin. Like, do I got to do something? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or I'm like, how's it going to happen? Right? Just how's it going to happen is different than how will I know this, right? And so the angel says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And he's going to put inside you, you know, the son of the living God. And you know what I love about Mary? Her response is, amen. She says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, the Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know what that means in the Greek? Mary said, amen to that. If you want to use my life to bring Jesus into this world, amen to that. And can I just tell you that still today, God wants to use you to bring his son to the world. And I hope that you would say amen to that. Yes, God, use me despite my faults. Listen, if he's calling you, it's because he knows your past, but he also knows that you have a future. And if he's calling you, it's because Jesus, through his blood, has wiped away your past. Now he wants to use you to bring his son to your job, to our community. Just say yes. That's what Mary said. All the angel was looking for was an amen. Amen. Amen to the glory of God. But remember, all of God's promises are yes and amen in him. Through us. Through us. You know, when my wife and I had the opportunity to think about starting a church or taking over a church or, um, you know, there's specific things that me personally, I like about church, right? Um, And taking over a church has its own problems because you have people that are already there. You're a new pastor and they're like, this is our church. We have done it this way all our lives. Who are you? You ain't going to get an amen on that, all right? I'm out. You cannot move the piano from over there. It's been there for 30 years. We've got to have four meetings to see if we can move the piano. Golly, move the freaking piano. It's out of tune anyway. Pedal doesn't work. Right? I mean, and then you have to go in and change a whole culture of, of... and all of us in this room have had different church experience and come from a different church culture. But one of the things that I personally like about church is we decided, and we had Passion Life Church, number one would be the name, would be Passion Life. We ain't gonna have no dead church. We're gonna have a church that's full of passion. But can I say this? We're also not gonna have a quiet church. We're gonna have a church that has an expression of faith. We're gonna have an amening church. Let me just tell you, what I mean, we had a friend who uh, at our church, she invited a, a first-time guest for the very first time. And so I just kind of followed up with her, and I just said, hey, um, uh, how did your friend like the service? She said, well, she didn't like it. And I said, well, what didn't she like about it, right? She said she doesn't like when all the people talk back to the pastor when he's preaching. Now, listen, we're not a perfect church. There's things that we change, we need to change. I mean, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, some things we need to change, we get it. But there are some things for me that I'm not going to change. There's not going to be a person that's going to take my amen away. There's not a person that's going to take my expression of faith away 
from me because there have been church services that I have been in that the preacher is preaching so good that on the inside of me, there's something that is stirring so much that the only thing that I can say is, yes, amen, come on. I want to jump on the stage and to sit there and just be quiet. Why? See, the reality of it is we wanted an amening church that when you hear the preacher or the speaker begin to say the promises of God, that there would be an expression of faith in our amen, that as I speak, you say amen. That's why, listen, you don't know this, but I'm doing this to you. You just don't know it. But now I'm telling you, so you're going to know it. I am conditioning you to respond to how I speak. Because some of us have come, to, have come from quiet uh, churches where we just don't say anything. Right? And you come because you have to. Because you don't want to go to hell. Don't say anything. Pastor makes that laugh. <laughs> disrespectful the challenge was that is you don't understand the word of God because in the word of God your faith has to be expressed and so I am that's why sometimes I will say I'm preaching better than your amen and and you, you some people laugh but what I'm saying to you is that your faith is not responding to this promise and your faith needs to respond to this promise better than your amen and so you need to amen because this promise is for you I want you to walk in the promises of God I do not want you to be silent I want you to have an amen in your life to say if God said that and if he gave it to me I want it amen come on preach it some of you are getting it right that's why sometimes I'm like you're, you're just not loud because you need to be louder why? Because faith has an expression. When they shouted, the walls came down. When they praised, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they began to praise so much that the whole prison began to shake and their shackles came off. And the Roman guard, right? The Roman guard, because of that, saw Paul and Silas. He didn't know where they were. He was about to take out his sword and kill himself because the policy was that if they escaped and their lives were gone, the Roman government would take your life. So he was taking out his sword and Paul and Silas come and witness to him and the Roman guards, whole family comes to Jesus because somebody lifted up a praise and a worship and they weren't just doing it in their head. <laughs> no, they were singing, your love is relentless. That's why I believe God wants a loud church. And not only that, we're preparing you for heaven because heaven's gonna be loud. It's going to be, a, there's going to be a, a sound there. And some of us in this room, we need to get our amen back. And we need to start responding to God's promise. Let me just say this while I'm on that subject. Do you know that you determine how well I preach? You know, the description in the Bible says deep calls unto deep. That's why this is called a pulpit. You're supposed to be pulling on me. Come on, Pastor. He's good today. Come on, right? The Bible says 
If, you, if there's an expression of faith in this room, it will so stir up the gifts in me that there would be an atmosphere in here that impossible things would become possible, right? But I'm not coming to church every, every Sunday to raise the dead. I'm coming to church to, make, to see people be alive. But you know what? If I'm not preaching good, that's your fault. I'll try this side. That's your fault. I didn't get any men's on that. Because if you will come in here with an expectancy, not because I'm all that, but because he's all that. And if you'll come in an expectancy that when we hear the promises of God, I want to tell you something. Expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles, of miracles. And I'm telling you that if deep can call unto deep, well, Pastor Phil, that doesn't sound biblical at all. Oh, it doesn't? Why don't you ask Jesus? Because when Jesus walked into a town, the Bible said that Jesus, Jesus, the Christ, you know, Jesus with the picture of the little halo on his head, Jesus could not do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief, their unbelief. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Jesus. The Bible said he healed a few sick. And amazing, even in a culture of unbelief, there were still a few who got healed. Why? Because of their amen and their faith. That is why someone can come and get nothing and another person can walk out and be totally healed miraculously. Why? Because they have an amen in their life. It's an expression of their faith. Come on, say amen this morning. I won't tell anybody you're being spiritual. Thank you. See, I'm preaching better. You see that? And so what I did today is as we end this series, this amazing series, I saved the best for last. Like the first week was like little chips and salsa, pico de gallo. It was good. Last week was the filet mignon, steak. Pastor Phil, I'm a vegetarian. Okay, last week was grass and... Whatever. I don't know what you eat. We, we, we grass, whey grass, the whey grass. You can have the whey grass. So last week for the vegetarians with the whey grass. And then I saved the hot fudge Sunday with the cherry on top for you. Because I'm cool like that. So this, I believe, what I'm about to share with you is going to change your prayer life. Because we end today, remember I said in the beginning, when you begin to pray, we start off with that name. There's no other name. That name gives us access to God, right? Father in Jesus' name. And then what I do, I pray the promises of God, right? And then what do we say? We say amen. We say amen. And I think what I'm about to show you right now We'll bring it all together. And I think it'll help impact your life because you need to know this. One of Jesus's name in the book of Revelation is amen. In Revelation chapter three, verse 14, you can write this down. I'm gonna read it to you in true translations. It says this, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things. Now, God was addressing seven churches, and I may go through this at some point. We'll do a series on the seven churches that God addressed, right? And God, John, is on the island of Patmos, and he's writing these down under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And it says, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, says the amen 
the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's the new King James Version. And let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says this, in Revelation 3, verse 14, you can go home, look it for yourself, but it says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, who is the amen, the faithful and true witness. My church family, when you begin to look at the names of Jesus, one of the names of Jesus in John chapter one is the word. The Bible says the word was with God and the word was God ever since when in the beginning. The Bible says in the beginning, God, right? So God is always at the beginning and he is always at the end. I do not think that it is a coincidence that God, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, would write in his word that one of Jesus' name is the word. And the word, a word, is always meant to be spoken. And now in Revelation, we find out that another name for Jesus is the word, amen. So when you start your prayer life in Jesus name, father, I come before you in the name above every name. And you begin to lift up the promises of God that are in him. Yes. And amen through us. Then you turn around and you say in Jesus name. Amen. He was at the start of your prayer. He was at the start of creation, right? His promises are true. And then at the end of your prayer, you are saying amen and saying Jesus. So you are starting your prayer with the name above every name and you are ending your prayer with the name above every name. He is in the beginning and the end and he always has been. Now, I want to end with a little crowd participation. If you brought your Bible, real quick, it's the book of Malachi. Look at the last word, the last word in the Old Testament. Get in your Bibles real quick and just look at the last word in the Old Testament and yell it out if you see it. And if you get it first, you'll get a hug from this guy. What is the last word in the Old Testament, which is Malachi... What is the last word in Malachi? What is it? Yell it out. So in the Old Testament, the last word of the Old Testament is the word curse. Now, if you have your Bible, what is the last word in the book of Revelation? Come on, turn over there. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. What is the last book? The last word of the whole entire Bible. If you have it, yell it out. What is the word? Come on, yell it out. The last word in the whole Bible is one word, and it is the word what? Amen. So this whole thing started with God, and at the end, it ends with an Amen. You know why? Because all of his promises are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Amen. Thank you for listening today. 
We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 